Hello, aspiring world changers. My name is Isaac Kempel. Three years ago, I made the decision to quit my management job, to drop out of business school, to give up my apartment, all so that I could take a journey. I didn't know what I was looking for exactly or where it would lead me, but I knew that there had to be more in life. Something that left me filled, filled with passion, something that truly made a difference in the world. So for the last three years, I've wrestled with this idea of how do I actually make a difference in the world. And ultimately I found that that comes when we give our lives away and part of something more, part of something bigger. The true power that changes the world comes when we ask God to give us His love, His strength, and His power so that we can accomplish such a massive challenge. Since making that switch, my life has been transformed been filled with passion, with joy, with love, with a purpose. And now, I get to be that guide for you. I, alongside my vast network of mentors that I've acquired over this journey, are going to come alongside you on your journey of becoming a world changer. So sit back and enjoy the World Changer Podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the World Changer Podcast. I'm your guide, Isaac Kempel, and I'm going to be bringing you along on this journey to becoming a world changer. I myself have now been on this journey for three years, and I have found that in order to change the world, we must first give up our expectations of life and be a part of something bigger, be invited into what God is doing in the world. And through that, we then get the strength, the power, and the love it takes to actually change the world. Plus, we get to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves that in that we can find true purpose and passion and meaning. So I wanna take you on this journey. Over my journey, I've brought in a vast network of mentors and advisors, and I get to pay it forward and share that with you guys. So today we are actually joined by Pastor Mark Driscoll. He is the pastor of Oakdale Free Methodist Church, as well as a teacher at Oakdale Christian Academy who teaches Bible and Spanish. So he's got a very, very firm understanding of the word. Pastor Mark Driscoll became a Christian in 1981, and has basically been doing missions ever since. So he is uh, very familiar with the topic. So with all that being said, we're gonna dive right in to what is missions? What are some of the tools that we need to do that? And how can you get started today? And then at the end, actually, Mark has a very, very incredible story of, way, of a way that God showed up for him on the mission field. So please stay tuned for that, you don't wanna miss it. So without further ado, without me wasting any more of your time, Let's jump right into this interview. I personally believe that in changing the world, that has to start with love that can only be given by God and that we can only change the world through the love of God and what he pours out to us. So my question for you today is, do you believe that missions and the spread of the gospel is a solution for changing the world? I would say it is the solution for changing the world. Um, all the other solutions of history have dealt with external things. The gospel gets down to the very heart of our greatest need and our greatest dreams and desires and hopes in a way that nothing else has ever done. And so I think the gospel is unique in its ability to change the world. History 
has been shaped so greatly by the gospel. Most nations in the world have had some impact from the gospel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's impacted education. It's impacted uh, science. It's impacted government. It's impacted family, community. Every level of society has been impacted by the gospel. We have a long history of impacting the world. And so I don't, I think, I would say it uniquely is the force for changing the world, unlike anything else. Interesting. So you had mentioned that then the gospel deals with the root of the problem. Yeah. When we get to changing the world, it seems that most people approach it from the idea of we need to end hunger and we need to remove people from poverty and fix healthcare and fix the brokenness in the system. Missions and the gospel, I guess at an even deeper level, the gospel says that when we learn to accept the love of God and share the love of God, that everything else will fall into place. I would, I would compare it to if you go to the doctor with a serious heart problem and your symptoms are that you're sweating, your breathing is hard, and, and you've got pain in your chest, and the doctor just treats the symptoms. Well, let's get your chest feeling better. Let's try to get you breathing better. Let's try to, to, to end the, the intense sweating. But they don't deal with the fact that you're having a heart attack. You're going to die. Um, we all have the same goal. We want the world hunger to end. We want injustice to end. Um, first of all, those will not ultimately be ended until Christ. Of course, we work toward those, and those are extensions of the gospel. But the gospel itself deals with the heart, heart attack of humanity. And so if we don't deal with that, then we're just dealing with symptoms. And that's a never-ending struggle. I actually really like that analogy. Before I continue to dive into what missions looks like, would you mind just sharing briefly kind of your testimony and your background story and your involvement in church and missions work? Sure. I uh, became a follower of Jesus at the age of 17. Um, the Lord really had a major impact on my life, and I, I immediately wanted to do something. I mean, it, it, the, as soon as I gave my life to Christ, I wanted to be involved in making a difference in the world. I, I even went, uh, my first mission activity was, was personal. I just went out and started talking to, to people that I met about Jesus. And, um, but my first official mission activity uh, was in 1983, I went to England on an overseas partnership evangelism missions, and that changed my life. I saw what God could do in the lives of individuals just by people coming and showing his love. And then uh, coming back to college, going all through college, I did a lot of uh, summer mission activities, and uh, I went on a West Coast traveling mission team in seminary. I went I did church planting. I've done uh, lots of those kind of things locally. And I've been in several countries overseas as an adult. Um, I've been to uh, Africa and India, Eastern Europe. And so I've had lots of experience in doing evangelism, uh, pastor training, discipleship, and humanitarian work. Uh, and so I, I really, mission is just the heart of everything I want to do. In fact, the work that I do right now is in a school that's focused on uh, reaching kids from all over the world and helping them to know Jesus Christ. And so uh, I live in an area that's a high poverty area. 
And I live where a lot of people want to take their summer mission trips. And so it's, it's, uh, my life is on mission and, and uh, I've done international missions. I've done local missions, mainly preaching and teaching is the main emphasis of my work that I've done. I, I really appreciate all the other ministries of hunger and relief and, and justice issues and things like that. But my focus has been preaching and teaching. That's been the main thing the Lord's had me do. But missions to me has a lot of different extensions, a lot of different arms. Um, but but I've been I've been doing missions since basically uh, 1981 when I became a Christian, um, and I don't know how to be a Christian without doing missions. Absolutely agree, and I think you got the full range of experiences there. Um, I would love to keep talking about stories. I love hearing stories of missions, but before you keep going, could you define what the word missions means to you? We keep saying missions, and I'm sure there's a varying Mm-hmm. array of context for that. So what does that mean to you personally? To me, missions is um, extending the, the the love of God in word and deed uh, wherever it's needed. I, I guess that's as good a definition I can. Mission is, is being part of what God's doing in the world to reach a lost world with his message of love and healing. Uh, missions, is, uh, essentially, I would say, is joining God in his work. We all know that God is on a mission to seek and save those who are lost. Um, it made me think of what you said, missions and joining God is that missions ultimately is partnering with God in his mission. I like to see missions as our response to what God is already doing. Um, it's not trying to get God to reach people. A lot of people approach it that way. If we just work hard enough, we can get God to to reach out and get God to do something, but God's getting us to do something. And so we, we join him in what he's already begun. Absolutely. As I'm currently on the mission field, we always operate from the idea of you can only love as much as you receive love and you can only serve out of an abundance of what God has already given to you. I think you were getting at that mindset, but where do you feel on that idea of missions? Cause you talked about missions as a work. And like, if we work hard enough, we can do this versus an idea of God has already done the work. We are here to just reciprocate what he's given to us. Right. I'm, uh, I'm an extension of the love of God. And so I, I'm basically, or you could call a, a conduit, a vessel that, that God uses my hands and feet to do what he wants to do. One of my favorite verses about mission is in John five nineteen where Jesus said, I, the son can only do what he sees his father doing. And that the father loves the son and shows him whatever he's doing. And that, and the, whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. That was Jesus' model. That he didn't just go around doing good things that he thought were important. But he only did what he saw his father doing. So if he saw his father healing the sick, he joined him and healed the sick. If he saw his father looking out over the multitude, there were like sheep without a shepherd. He joined in that and, and shepherded those people. He saw the father defending a woman caught in adultery. Then he jumped in there and helped. And so uh, I only do what I see my father doing. So the key to missions is not coming up with good ideas. The key to missions is staying in close contact with God and asking him to open your eyes to what he's already doing and then to show you how to join in to what's happening. 
So if I go into a community, when I first started ministry, um, I tried to go into a community and say, okay, God, I'm going to come up with some really good ideas and I want you to bless my ideas. Well, that was, that was a miserable failure. That was, that just bottomed out. So what I started doing was saying, God, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to go out and I want you to show me what you want me to do. And I would run into people at Walmart. I would run into people on the ball field. I'd run into people in different places who were in need. And I could tell God's at work here. And so I would join in. And that's how I did my ministry for many years as a pastor. And I try to follow that model now. Yeah, absolutely. So then the question is, if you're operating in missions, not as a work, but as an extension of God's spirit, how are you constantly staying attuned to what God is saying? And how do you know what you're receiving is what God is asking you to do versus your own ideas? Well, um, a couple of answers to that. One is I don't work that hard at trying to discern between the two. And what I mean by that is I, I, one of my goals is to be a person of constant prayer. And I do believe that's possible. And so I get up in prayer. And I, throughout my day, I'll take moments to stop and just pray and talk to God. I read the word throughout the day. And I ask God constantly to keep me attuned to what, what's going on around me. The more you do that, the more you recognize when God's prompting you in a particular direction. And so, and there's a lot of things that are just no-brainers. I mean, if you see somebody hungry, you know he wants to feed them. And if you see somebody who's, who's lost, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. You know that's what he wants to do. So the other thing is, is if I work too hard at saying, oh, is this God or is this me? I'll think it to death. And so a, a lot of times I will, I will pray and say, God, I really sense that this is where you're leading me, so I'm going to go for it. And I pray that you would direct it if this is what you're doing. The other time is as I spend time in the word and prayer, and that helps me recognize when God is impressing on me. You know, a lot of people want to hear God's voice but they don't tune into him to do it. They don't pray. They don't read the word. And then they wonder, why doesn't God speak to me? I believe that God gives, gives direction. And I believe he speaks through our thoughts. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through his word. And it's not as complicated as we think. Uh, we know he wants us to love one another. We know he wants us to heal and love and minister and preach and teach. And, and so, um, that's a jumbled up mess it's, it, because it's not a perfect science. But uh, I, I, I do believe that you can know when God's leading you. There are times, quite honestly, when I can just know in my heart that God is saying something to me. And I don't know how to explain that except I know it in my knower. Other times, I think something is, is right. And I've prayed about it and I look at all the circumstances and it seems like the right thing to do. I don't know that I'm getting a direct word from God, but I just say, God, this looks like something you want me to do. So I'm going to start moving that way. Um, please help me and show me if this is what you want to do. Um, so really the key, I guess, is to constantly strive for that abiding relationship with Jesus. Um, because that's how you recognize his voice and his direction. And none of us have that down perfectly, but, but that it's a struggle. And so we constantly strive. I get up in the morning and I, and I have prayer. And then throughout the day, I try to remind myself to pray. And, and I'll, if I'm in class, I'll pray. Or if I'm, you know, at Walmart, I'll pray and say, Lord, is there anything you want to do here? And then 
sometimes I'll get an impression or I'll just run into a circumstance or I'll just, there have been literal times I've heard God speak to me to do something. I wish that was always the case. Uh, it's not, but, but there have been those clear moments. Um, but a lot of times it's just, just learning to recognize the kind of things you know that God will lead you into. I know how God communicates to me. I know how he speaks to me. And so I just do my best to stay in contact with him. No, but I absolutely agree with that. And I have found now after years of working in different ministry and mission contexts that praying continually is the way to hear from God. I found that that looks very different for people. Uh, growing up, I always thought that prayer was just simply you give God your list of wants and you start with dear God and you end with amen. And that was prayer. As I've matured and grown, I found different ways of listening prayer and meditating on scriptures and in the word and hearing God audibly and like the urge of his Holy Spirit. But that's something that's taking plenty of time to grow into. So I was curious, what are your thoughts on prayer and what does that look like to you now having years of missions experience? Because what most people define as prayer versus the type of prayer you're talking about are two very different things. Yes. I've been, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, uh, I've been doing a lot of reading of uh, Andrew Murray. And if you can get anything that he's written, he was a, an evangelist back in the 1800s. He is just such a, a brilliant man of God about prayer. And one of the things that I've learned in reading him is, is to spend a lot of time just being with God and not even asking him anything. Um, I, he says you need to start off in prayer. Like, for example, let me give you an example. I might be in, a, in my class and my students are working on a project. I'm not directly teaching them at that particular moment. And so I'm standing in front of the class or I'm sitting at my desk. I don't close my eyes because I got to watch my class. But I will just say something like this to God. I will say, Lord, thank you that I'm abiding in you and you are in me right now. And Lord, I just want to be with you right this minute and just be in your presence. And in my heart, I'll just praise him or I will just sit quietly. And my students are thinking I'm staring at my computer, but I'm, I'm really just being with God. One of the disciplines that Christians need to learn is how to just be with God. That's where you eventually start hearing from. Him. Just being. And so I'll just be still and quiet. And throughout the day, I'll have other times. And then I just talk conversationally about whatever's on my mind as I'm walking. Like I might be walking across the campus and I'll just say, Lord, it's a nice day today. This is a beautiful day. Or if I think about a student who's having a particular problem, I will talk to God about that problem right then. As if I were discussing it with a friend walking beside me. And conversational prayer. I'll just try to talk and and then the spirit of God will speak through my thoughts and I will get insights that I normally would not get. And it feels like your own thoughts. You feel like, oh, well, I just figured that out. I used to think that, but it's, I really believe it's the Holy Spirit that when you have a flash of insight or you have a flash of inspiration, um, it's often the Holy Spirit and uh, giving you something some insight into a problem or insight into something and so i try to bring god into those kinds of things now i don't always remember to do that um i'm learning to do this 
And so it's very exciting to me. But I found that I'm more prayerful during the day than I've ever been in my life since I started doing that. And so for me, prayer is listening. Prayer is being quiet and being aware that God is present right now. You see, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And we take that as some kind of a, you're supposed to abide in me and I'm supposed to abide in you. But I think he was stating a state of fact that I am already abiding in him and he already abides in me. And so the more I am aware of that and the more I, I accept that as reality, the more I'm in union with God. And so I just say, God, thank you that I'm here with you and you're here with me. And then in my heart and mind, I might just talk about something that whatever I'm thinking about, I might talk about a student. You know, if I'm sitting in my classroom, there's a student um, sitting back there and I suddenly I remember this student has a problem. And so I'll just say, you know, Lord, um, bless that student right now. Help that student. Um, I'll tell you, do I have a minute to share you a, a prayer testimony? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I don't want to take up all your time rambling, but something began to happen last year that, that from time to time happens. Um, during the uh, COVID lockdowns, I had plenty of time to be alone. And so I just started praying all the time. I mean, I'd pray walking around the apartment. Um, I'd just talk about whatever was on my mind. And I would just pray. And I just got this real, uh, and it was just really good for me really good for me. Anyway, I started noticing something. I started noticing that I was starting to feel nervous at times, really anxious. And I thought, I don't, I'm not anxious about anything. I don't know why I feel that way. Um, one night, it was about 10 o'clock at night, I felt this real wave of, of anxious energy. And I just instinctively realized that I needed to pray about that. And so as I did, in my mind, I had this mental picture of a friend of mine that I haven't seen in years. And I began to just slowly pray for that person. And I hadn't talked to that person, like I said, in years. And then a verse of scripture came to mind. And I didn't know why that verse was in my mind, but I just, I just decided, perhaps at the prompting of the Spirit, to send that person a message with that verse on it right then. And I did, and it turned out that that verse was was applicable for something that was happening in that person's life at that second. I mean, at, right at that moment. And they really needed it. And I started praying for that person. And it turned out they had all this crisis going on. And I started praying for them. I adopted that person in prayer for a whole week. And I saw God do some really great things in that person's life. Well, I noticed that happened that one time. But I've noticed it's still happening. From time to time, I'll just get that sense of that awareness that there's something wrong. And I will pray and I'll get a person's face in my mind. And then I'll ask God for a scripture and he'll give me a Bible verse. And oftentimes I've been led to send that verse to that person and to pray for that person. It's been uncanny the number of times I've known, I've almost known exactly what that person needed in prayer. That's a, that's a, the reason I share that. That's kind of a relatively new thing. That's been happening the last few months. Um, I hope it keeps happening because it's just a way that God's almost like God gets my attention and says, I want you to pray for this person. I want you to pray because prayer, people say, well, why does God ask you to pray? I mean, if he wants to do something, because prayer isn't just about God doing stuff. It's about God bringing me into what he's doing in the world. Say, that's what prayer is. Prayer is not me asking God to do things. Prayer involves that. 
But prayer is God pulling me into relationship with himself so that we can work together on what he wants to do. He could easily take care of that friend's problem without my help. But it's almost like a father saying to his son, hey, son, I'm working on this. I want you to come help me because I want you to get the experience. It's relational and it's building this bond and it's building a bond between me and God and me and that person I'm praying for. And the goal is love, isn't it? So the goal of prayer is love. God, God can do the miracles. He can do the works. And I've seen him do miracles. But uh, it's, it's an interesting thing when we learn to pray missionally. We begin to pray not, we don't just pray for what we think God should do. We ask God, God, what are you already doing and how can I tune into that? That's a discipline we have to learn. We have to grow in it. It's, there's no magic formula. We just have to practice listening, practice being present with God, practice staying in his word, and practice believing that he really wants to communicate with us. If I don't believe that, I'm not going to get very far. So anyway, I hope all that jumbled up rambling has been helpful in talking about how prayer can work with mission. I think prayer, honestly, is central to any kind of ministry. Uh, if you don't pray, don't try to minister. No, absolutely. I love hearing stories of what God does. It's one of my favorite things, actually. And I've had very similar experiences with prayers. Uh, I find it very interesting that we came on this talk to discuss what missions is, and we got so heavily into prayer just because they are so intertwined and so vital to each other. Absolutely. Do you believe that there is anything more vital to missions than prayer? More vital? No. There are some things that are pretty close. Obedience, the Word of God. Um, prayer and the Word always go together. Um, don't do one without the other. Reliance. See, all of this comes back to reliance on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is doing the mission. And through prayer, we stay in touch with Him. And through the Word, we hear from Him. And so... All of that's together, but I would say as far as mission, there's nothing more important. If prayer gets tacked on to mission action, that's a recipe for burnout. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that people who are so, there are mission, I know people in missions who are some of the greatest people in the world. I love missionaries. Um, I'll preface it with that. I love, love, love missionaries. But here's the thing. Sometimes I've met missionaries who've grown bitter and cynical because they worked so hard at doing ministry and they would justify their prayerlessness by saying my work is prayer and, and I'm trying to, to do all this stuff for God and, and I don't have time to stop and pray. They treat prayer like a luxury um, and I just don't have time for that luxury. Now that sounds very noble. You're working yourself to death. The problem with that is Jesus and his apostles because they didn't do that. They didn't find time for prayer. They prayed all the time. And so here's the thing. If a missionary, a good-hearted missionary, gets off track and they get so busy working, but they don't have time to pray, they will run out of strength because missions is sustained by the Holy Spirit. But if I don't stay in touch with the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to run out because I'm going to end up doing it on my own strength. And that's why you see a lot of missionary pastors too, pastors, missionaries, Christian leaders burning out 
because somehow they rationalized that, well, my work is better than it is prayer. Well, not necessarily. I, I think work can be prayer. I know people who, who do that. But sometimes we cop out because we don't want to stop and pray. And so, well, my work is prayer. But then we, sometimes that's true. But sometimes it's just a cop out because I don't want to pray. Um, our flesh is resistant to prayer. And our flesh loves work. Right. And so my flesh is gratified when I'm burning myself out for God. My flesh is 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 crucified when I'm building myself up in prayer. And so that's that's a really important distinction to make. If you're going to say my work is prayer, make sure it is, because a lot of people kid themselves and they end up burning out. Um, so never. Never let work become so great that it robs you of your life of prayer. So then you're going to make the case that to do any true missions and any true work, it needs to come from prayer and time with the Spirit into work and not work that is then blessed by the Spirit of prayer. Right. I've done both. Yeah. Going off of that, actually trying to get back to the original topic of what is missions and how does one become a world changer i think you made a pretty solid case that the best way to start changing the world is through prayer yes would you say that yes and i know that there is a way to say that that's just meaningless i know some people say all we can do is pray 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 but when i i believe when jesus gave us the lord's prayer he was giving us a more than something to recite to God. He was giving us a strategy for mission. Because in that prayer, he says something really powerful. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where mission begins, is when I seek God's kingdom and his will. So I'll say, God, what is your kingdom purpose for example, if I was going to go into a new community and start a ministry, the first thing I would do is get some time alone in prayer. And I would begin to say, God, what are you doing here in this place? And what are some things you want me to start looking into? And I'd take notes. I would say, God, give me some ideas of where I should go and start looking and where I should start seeking you. Because where does God's kingdom need to manifest? That's where I'd begin with. I wouldn't stop there. So, yeah, I think that prayer is should be primary, but it should also go all the way through it, that you should be praying all the way through it on some level. And to me, prayer is a very fluid thing. You can be praying all the time. You can be praying while you're working. You can be praying while you're driving. You can be praying while you're loading boxes. Um, you can be praying while you're uh, listening to someone. You know, And so prayer is one of those things that's really... It's easy and difficult at the same time. Absolutely. And uh, but anyway, I would I would definitely start off with prayer. Yes. Absolutely. So I think that goes back then to just the idea of what is prayer when we're talking about prayer. Because if you're talking about praying, dear God, here are my requests. Amen. That's where you get caught up in the idea of all we can do is pray. But if we take the approach of prayer as a way of listening to God and then responding in obedience, that's where you get missions. 
Yes. And so, yeah, that prayer can be a double-edged sword because on one, one hand, we can use it as an excuse to do nothing if we say, I'm praying, that's all I can do. But on the other hand, if you really are praying and walking out with God, and I guess that's where that prayer and obedience comes hand in hand, then we have missions. Right. Prayer followed by obedience is missions. Yeah, I guess. It's, strat- it's saying, God, what's your strategy? If I'm just praying, Lord, Lord, please get all these people saved. Um, I'm not really, really going anywhere, but I'm saying, okay, God, I need you to open my eyes. What's happening around here? What What is your word for this community? Or what, what are you, where, where should I begin? See, that's a prayer for guidance, direction, uh, and help. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, whatever you ask the father in my name, I will do it. Now, he said that several times in one dinner meeting. But what we don't remember is that he said that in in light and context of his telling them about that what their mission was going to be. And so when he says, whatever you ask in my name, that's what I'll do. It was in context of their work. And so people say, well, so that means I can ask God for whatever I want. And he'll give it to me. No, you're missing the point. The point was his disciples who were on mission with him can ask him for anything in line with that mission and with that kingdom, and he'll do it. And so that's why you can ask for miracles. That's why you can ask for open doors in places where other people haven't been able to go. That's why you can ask for resources that you don't have, because you can say, God, here's what I need. Um, If I had, I tell my students a lot of times, if I had a group of students and I took them out somewhere and I said, okay, guys, I want you to do this work in my yard. And here's all the tools. Here's the gas. Here's the lawnmower. Here's everything. I want you to work. And if you need anything else, give me a call and I'll get it to you. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. Here's the, let's get to work. Here's the tools. If you need anything, ask and I'll give it to you. Um, and so, so prayer has to be that kind of thing uh, to be effective. It's, it's, it's not just something sentimental we do so we can feel spiritual. It's, okay, God, here's the city I'm in. I don't know anybody here. I don't know what's going on. Where should I start? What are some things that are on your heart? What are some invisible things that, that need to be addressed? You know, that kind of listening prayer, trying to get in touch with the mission heart of God and what he's doing in that place. And uh, that's where it begins. Yeah, nope, that makes perfect sense. So getting back to the very heart of this podcast, my audience is typically younger people mostly in Christian communities, looking to make a difference in the world. So if someone asked you, how do I become a world changer? Where would you start? I would start with um, your relationship with Jesus. I mean, I'm trying to, let me think that through. Okay. When Jesus called his apostles, he said that he called them to be with him, right? If a person wants to be a world changer, then I would first make sure, are you spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ in your own personal life? And then begin, this sounds cliche, but it's so true, begin where you are. Um, Begin to do things right in the area you're in right now. And then what generally happens is, I remember when I first started thinking about missions and ministry, I was a freshman in college. I was at home for a break one time. And I hadn't yet been on my first mission trip, but I wanted to do something, you know, and I was thinking, Lord, I want to do something. And uh, 
you know, I was brand new. I, I became a Christian at 17. I think I was about 18 or 19. And one afternoon, I just decided I was going to go up and down my street and stop at every house and ask every person if they knew Jesus. Now, you know, I didn't know what else to do. I was, you know, I was ignorant and young and starting out. And I just thought I got to do something. And so I just did that. And I went all the way up and down and I went to pretty much every house. Um, didn't lead anybody to the Lord. I mean, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> but I spent a whole day starting where I was and then starting with the gifts that I had at that point. So, so really, it's, it's God, how can I start right here where I am? And then as you do that, you know, Jesus has this principle, if you're faithful in the small things, then he'll give you bigger things. And so I would tell somebody, get a vision for where you are right now and start doing it. And then uh, stay in prayer, stay in your relationship with the Lord Jesus, and uh, he'll lead you to the next place. Begin to ask God. I would also tell them to ask God for a vision. You know, God, what's your vision for me? Um, give me give me a burden on my heart. Give me something to care about. Give me something to get to latch on to and say, okay, this is this is really where I think God wants me to be. You know, that's what I would do. Some of those things to get started off. Um, you might I might throw out some other things. I might say, you know, talk to some people who are doing ministry. Ask them how they got into what they're doing. You know, God leads us all in different ways, but we can learn from people. And so I talked to my pastor. When I was thinking about being a pastor, I talked to my pastor. I talked to missionaries about being missionary, you know. And so talk to people, uh, maintain your own relationship with the Lord, and start doing what you can right where you are. Absolutely. I think it's the best way to start. I agree. Start with prayer and start with relationship. And then build out from there. Obviously at this point, I've been doing missions now for like three years and have built an extensive network of pastors and people who are in it. And so this is like a great way for me to share those connections, but I'd highly recommend anyone who's thinking about this or considering missions would go and seek out their own pastors and missionaries and people around them. Because there's such value in godly counsel. Yep, that's great. All right. That about answers all my questions regarding missions. One way, if you still have a couple minutes, that would be a fun way to end, is do you have like just a really crazy or cool story of a way God has showed up for you on missions or just in work or just in life in general? Love the I actually crazy I God have stories. a million of them, but, but I've got one really cool one that I want to share with you. When I was in uh, Niger, West Africa, I was there for like a two-week mission, and we, our team, one day, about the middle of our last week, we went out to this place, this desert area called the Dunes, and we were just going there for an evening just to relax, and it was miles and miles and miles of sand dunes, and one of the most beautiful places on earth, especially at sundown, and there was this group of little boys who lived there, um, and there were like three or four of them little kids about nine, 10 years old. And we had the best time hanging out with those boys and playing games. We taught them how to play ninja and different games like that. Problem was we didn't know their language. They spoke uh, faldy and we didn't have anybody that spoke that. And so our missionary was with us and she didn't even speak that. And so she prayed out loud while we were sitting there, Lord, 
send somebody to share the gospel with these little boys. You know, okay, a week later, I go to the airport. It's middle of the night, and we're about to leave Niger to go home. And I end up sitting on the plane with this young man from the United States who had been on a mission trip in the same area um, at the same time. And they were actually leaving at the same time we were. And this guy was like from Texas or somewhere. I never even seen him before. And I asked him how his trip went. He, you know, we were sharing stories. He told me things he had done and places he'd been. And uh, he told me, he said, I went out to this really cool place called the Dunes. And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, and he went out, he said, we went out there and we had a great time and we met a bunch of boys out there. And he said, we, our guide who was with us spoke their language, Faldi. And so we asked him to share the gospel with them. And so he shared the gospel with them. And I thought, man, that's, that would be some kind of coincidence if it was the same boys. He pulled out his cell phone and he showed me the video of those boys hearing the gospel. And guess what? It was the same exact voice. And so I thought that was so cool that not only did God arrange to have that prayer answered, but he also arranged for me to be sitting on the plane next to the guy who would do that when we're from totally different places. And how in the world could we end up, we bought tickets totally different places, different ways. How do we end up in the same spot, sharing the same story and being part of the same story? Um, just like that. It makes me think where Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And that was such a powerful story to me. It, it just, it blew my mind how God could arrange that. But, you know, that's, that's a great story. It's amazing to see how God works in ways like that. Yeah, I was blown away. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, as well as your thoughts and opinions and your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I, I enjoy doing it. I'm proud of the work you're doing, and uh, we pray for you, and we know God's got great things for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's edition of the World Changer Podcasts. My name's Isaac Kempel. Our guest this week, Mark Driscoll. We want to say a big thanks to all of you for listening. I'm going to challenge you this week to start being a world changer right where you are. To start listening to God, get in that listening prayer, and start right where you are with the people around you. Again, big thanks. And until we see you next week, go and be a world changer. Peace, my friends.